Our scripture that was previously read came from Genesis, the 50th chapter, and the reading was from the 15th through to the 21st verse. But indulge me as I lift before you the 19th verse, which reads, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the 1619 Project. But in brief, it is a journalism project that was developed by Nicole Hannah-Jones and several writers from the New York Times, and it sets out to reframe America's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of the United States national narrative. It is incredibly piercing and honest, and in its examination of the legacy of slavery in the United States, the challenge is that the history of the United States did not begin in 1776 or with the arrival of the pilgrims, but instead the history of the United States began in 1619 with the first slaves to Virginia. This 1619 project is beginning to be adopted by schools all over the country and is restructuring the general education curriculum. This week, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell claims that federal funding should be withdrawn from schools that use programs such as, and he names, the 1619 Project because, as he says, it reorients the view of American history away from their intended purposes toward a politicized and divisive agenda. He further went on to say this, don't teach American children divisive nonsense. To be honest, it's not what he said that bothered me because that's what I would expect from someone like him. But the thing that really bothered me is that he represents an attitude in this nation where the ugliness of the black experience in this country is to be hidden at all cost. It is because of this attitude we have people like Donald Trump, Derek Chauvin, Sean Hannity, and Tucker Carlson. I could name a much more. And you see, it occurred to me that as a nation, there are people in power who think they have a right to determine what is truth and that they are the only ones who know it. Well, let me be clear. I have zero confidence that this nation, and in particularly white America, will ever overcome their racially oppressive attitude because they don't think they need to. Mitch McConnell and his ilk, dating back to the slave-owning forefathers, believe that they are God. And because of that thinking, this nation will never change until God shows them that He is God and not them. So today, 
I want to talk about the conscience of this nation. And in the context of the text that I just read, I will show you how very different Joseph's brother's attitude were from that of this nation. And also how you and your attitude might just be the same as this nation's. So I'll be speaking a message that I have titled today, The Place of God. The Place of God. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, what you have laid on my heart is what I intend to deliver. So Spirit of the living God, incarnate your spirit right now into my flesh and breathe on this preacher and breathe on this message and may they both live. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Our text recounts the episode of Joseph reuniting with his brothers who had sold him into slavery. You may recall that Joseph was the youngest son of their father, Jacob, and was the favorite son. As a result, Joseph grew up very privileged and entitled, and his brothers became very jealous of the special favors which their father would often bestow upon the young Joseph. Thus, the relationship between Joseph and his brothers, to say the very least, was quite strained. This strained relationship was brought to a climax where Joseph began to tell his brothers about his dreams, which by their very nature affirmed his brother's fear that he, meaning Joseph, aspired to rule over them. Jacob, the father, warned Joseph not to tell these dreams to his brothers. He did not wish to see the relationship deteriorate, but in his heart, he knew that there was more to Joseph than what meets the eye. One day, Jacob sent Joseph to spy on his brothers. When the brothers saw him, they used this opportunity to cast him into a nearby pit and eventually sell him to a passing caravan of merchants. The brothers then deceived their father into thinking that Joseph had died. And the text tells us that Jacob, the father, was so heartbroken that he could never, could not even be consoled. Joseph later ended up in Egyptian slavery. And after predicting pending years of famine, Pharaoh elevated him to the highest office in the land. Now, years later, and due to the adversity of the famine, Joseph's brothers made their way back to Egypt to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. As the saga continues, Joseph is reunited with his brothers and there is much tears and much jubilation. And Joseph blesses the family with great lands for pastoring their flock. But through the passing of time, Jacob the father dies. And now the brothers are concerned about what Joseph would do. For now it seems that the tables have turned. This is where we pick up now in the text. And I'll read it again. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father father was dead. They said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? They sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father when their message came to him. 
Joseph wept. The context of this message is simply that an injustice was done by Joseph's brothers to which they were never held to account. The text is not clear whether or not the brothers confessed their sin to their fathers before he died, but be that as it may, they were never held to account for what they all conspired to do by sending their brother into slavery. And let me pause here and reiterate what I stated in my introduction. I have zero confidence that this nation, and in particularly white America, will ever overcome their racially oppressive attitude because they don't think they need to. You see, Joseph's brothers were content to live with the lie as long as their father was alive, but now their father was dead. But despite the fact that Joseph had even forgiven his brothers, they struggled with what Joseph really thought and felt. You see, their sin was so egregious that they did not only not believe Joseph forgave them, but inwardly they knew that they would not have forgiven Joseph if the tables or the roles were reversed. So, as we contemplate the problem with America's conscience, and maybe even with your own today, there are four things I'd like to bring to your attention that emerges from this text. The first is the sense of personal guilt. Joseph's brothers never got over the wrong that they had done to him, even though Joseph had forgiven them. The text says when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge? against us and pays us back for all the wrongs that we did to him. Very often, whenever you and I knowingly harm someone else, even though they may have genuinely forgiven us, the pain and the harm that we have caused was not only inflicted on them, but on us and you as well. Because God made us relational beings, you can never hurt someone in isolation apart from also doing damage to your own self in the process. The proof of this is seen in the phenomena called guilt. Guilt is a cognitive or an emotional experience that occurs when a person realizes or believes that they have compromised their own standards of conduct or has violated a moral standard. You should never, my brothers and sisters, think that you can inflict pain on someone else or another community without thinking that you are not also inflicting pain on your own self. This is even true in the church, which is the body of Christ. The analogy of the human body tells us that if you have a small wound on your toe, it's not just your toe that is affected, it is your whole body that experiences the pain. And so my brothers and my sisters, I want to be very, very clear. You have this sense, and the brothers have this sense of personal guilt because it alerts us to the disunity that we're supposed to have with each other. Beloved, America is guilty, but their unwillingness to confront the ills of the past lets us know that this sense, the sense of personal guilt is absent 
from their collective conscience because they believe they are in the place of God. The second point that comes out of this text is respect for authority. The brothers were not only aware of their personal guilt, but they also had respect for authority. What this means is that despite their bad ways and their attitudes, they respected the authority of their father. As a result, as a result, they knew that if they were going to get any kind of reprieve from their sin, they needed to appeal to Joseph's sense of that same respect that he had for his father as well. Look what the text says. So they sent word to Joseph, verse 16, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I, meaning your father, ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Here it is. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. Did you hear that? They were not asking Joseph to merely forgive them because they wanted it, but they were asking Joseph to forgive them based on the authority of their father. This is a healthy respect for authority, which is a foundational basis for their appeal for forgiveness. Now, it did not stop there. The rest of the passage said, now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. The brothers not only appealed using the authority of their father, Jacob, they went even further by appealing to the authority of the God of their father. I want you to understand something. That that kind of repair that you're seeking to get done in your relationships that you are responsible for destroying or relationships that have been destroyed in which you need to show some mercy has to begin with an appeal to God the Father. This is why the love of God is considered the first and great commandment. It is the starting point of all forgiveness, all mercy, all reconciliation, and all love, as we see in 1 John, the fourth chapter and the 20th verses. Here is what it says. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You cannot say you love and respect God if you do not love your brother. So, can you honestly look at the treatment of black people at the hands of white America in this nation from 1619 through Jim Crow and until now and truly say that this is a godly Christian nation? Really? I think Mitch McConnell knows who the real liar is. Beloved, America is guilty. And their unwillingness to not confront the ills of the past lets us know that they have no respect for God's authority within their collective conscience because they believe they are in the place of God. Third, I want to speak about genuine repentance. In light of their transgression and the harm that they had done to Joseph, the brothers felt through their feeling of personal guilt and their respect for authority, the genuine need to repent. Look at verse 18 again. 
Verse 18 says, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Did you see that? They came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Genuine repentance is the activity of reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for past wrongs. It generally involves a commitment to personal change and resolving to live a more responsible and humane life by virtue of the brothers throwing themselves down and acknowledging their willingness to be slaves to Joseph. In other words, to become themselves what they had made Joseph. Let me say that again. They had been willing to become themselves what they had made Joseph, meaning slaves. They are in essence saying that they were committed to making a personal change in their own lives because they were deeply sorry for what they had done. This is critical, my brothers and sisters. Very often when you and I have, have harmed someone else, we may feel a sense of personal guilt. We, we may know that because of our strained relationships with God, we know that we also need to apologize, but we will not go the extra step to make full restitution at our expense. You must make full restitution even if it means that you have to lose something of your very own life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. I don't know if you understand what I'm telling you, but brothers and sisters, can you see white America ever being willing to admit the wrong of slavery. Not only admit the wrong of slavery, but let alone being willing enough to give up their wealth, livelihood, comforts in search of winning the forgiveness of black America. Can you honestly picture Derek Chauvin, Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell saying sorry and throwing themselves at the feet of George Floyd's or Breonna Taylor's or Amadou Diallo's family and begging for their forgiveness? You and I know that you cannot see it. So beloved, America is guilty and their unwillingness to not confront the ills of the past lets us know that they are unrepentant within their collective conscience because they believe they are in the place of God. And finally, forgiveness and reconciliation. Verse 19 says, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. To be frank, this is the hard part. This is the hard part of the message. Because what I'm about to tell you gets to the heart of why I have zero confidence that this nation, and in particular white America, will ever be willing to overcome their racially oppressive attitude. And that reason is revenge. Revenge. Church, and in large part, black America, listen to me. 
There is no part of us, you and I, all of us, that wants to naturally give of ourselves for the benefit of someone else. And given the right circumstances, if we are truly honest, and I'm also talking to your spirits, if we are truly honest with ourselves, our first instinct is not to love our neighbors, but to love ourselves. And sometimes this means stealing, killing, and destroying our neighbors. Joseph's brothers were laden with guilt for what they had done. But even though they were repentant, they believed in their heart that Joseph might just be like them after all. If they were Joseph, they would not be so willing to forgive him. So if they would not be willing to forgive Joseph, if they were in Joseph's place, why should they think that Joseph would be willing to forgive them? This is why they were appealing to his sense of respect for authority. What they harbored in their hearts was a need for revenge, and that is the action of inflicting hurt or harm on someone for an injury or wrong suffered at their hands. Listen to what I'm telling you. They wanted forgiveness from their brother. But there is a part of their sin nature that harbors a little thing called revenge. Revenge means I want you to suffer like I did. I want you to feel what I feel. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, therefore you need to hurt as well. And as long as you harbor a little bit of that selfishness in your spirit, you will, believe me, you will not be able to receive the repentance and forgiveness from somebody else, even when they're giving it to you. This is the condition of America. The American conscience, its heart is riddled with revenge, and that conscience cannot comprehend black America's forgiveness. How? Can the family of Emmanuel 9 possibly forgive Dylan Roof? How can the brother of Botham Jean possibly forgive ex-police officer Amber Geiger? How can black America possibly forgive? This is what the conscience of America is saying. How can they possibly forgive what we have done? Because in their collective hearts, they understand that they would not be so willing to forgive if the roles had been reversed. And in the words of Doc Rivers, how can we, black America, keep loving this nation when this nation does not love us back. A vengeful, hate-filled, corrupt heart can never comprehend the love of God and is therefore unable to receive forgiveness when it has been shown. Joseph's brothers did not believe Joseph could forgive in the same way that white America cannot believe that black America can forgive. Well, Black America can and has forgiven, but we're not reconciled. You see, forgiveness is an act of obedience to God, and it's a gift. Forgiveness is a choice to, to bless and extend blessing to yourself and to the ones that have hurt you. It is an acknowledgement of a wrong done to you and a willingness to pronounce pardon for the wrongdoer. Forgiveness is, is letting go of the desire for punishment and revenge. It is the ability to wish well to the one who has hurt you, to bless them. This black America has done and still does. But forgiveness 
is not reconciliation. Jesus said these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Upon the cross, Jesus suffered and he offered forgiveness to the ones who were literally killing him. Yet those same people, while he was forgiving them, hurled insults at him and remained unreconciled to him, even in the midst of him forgiving them. They could not comprehend the level of his forgiveness. Forgiveness, my brothers and sisters, is a one-way transaction. It may occur if the person apologizes, but it can also occur if the person does not apologize. Forgiveness can flow to people who are even blind to their wrongdoing, but forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation, on the other hand, is a two-way transaction. Here, the wrongdoer must confess the wrong, and the offended one must forgive and extend trust to that person once again. Allow me and indulge me to illustrate in this moment. Now let's have a scale, one to 10, where one being the least that you can do to someone, and 10 being the worst possible thing that you could do to someone. So let's say person A, let's just say person A inflicts harm to person B at a level seven. I hope you can see this. The fact of the matter is, person A, after inflicting harm on person B, may apologize to person B at a level two for a level seven issue. And person B will say, I'm sorry, and I receive it only at a level two. In this scenario, my brothers and sisters, reconciliation cannot occur. You harm me at level seven and apologize at a level two, I might forgive you at a level two, but I cannot reconcile with you. So here's what I mean by reconciliation, and I hope that you get this in your spirit. Person A now offers to person B a level seven or greater apology. Person B can offer back forgiveness at a level seven, and at this stage, reconciliation can occur. My brothers and my sisters, I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. Time does not heal all wounds. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and it is never earned or deserved and can occur at any time, even if you give a level two apology. But reconciliation can never occur with a level two apology. If you offend at a level seven, you have to repent and apologize at a level seven or greater. Otherwise, reconciliation will never ever occur. And I can tell you, brothers and sisters, America has only apologizing to black America at a level two, even with a President Joe Biden. So, beloved, America is guilty. And their unwillingness to confront the ills of their past lets us know that they are vengeful in their collective conscience because they believe they are in the place of God. But Joseph said these very important words in all the text. 
Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? It was a recognition of his own humility, even in the midst of his confrontation with his oppressors. But his oppressors were willing to go to the one they harmed, and sadly, America is not willing to do so at least today because they believe in their hearts collectively that they are in the place of God. But what they do not know is that the place of God is a position that is not shared with you and me, Mitch McConnell, or white America. The place of God means that God is supreme and sovereign, and his will is preeminent and has priority over everything that you may think is important. The place of God is the judgment seat for all humanity. The place of God has precedence over your money, your house, your car, your job, your boss, your family, your children, and yes, even you. The place of God is a position that you and I are to recognize as the only place that has the final say on all of our relationships. The place of God is a place where love dwells and the place of true power. The power of forgiveness is the deepest expression of the love that can only come from a right relationship with the Father through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, to be very clear, to be emphatically clear, America, you are not in the place of God. Jesus is. Jesus is in the place of God. Jesus petitioned the Father in his authority and role as the perfect substitute and intercessor on our behalf. And as I showed you, while in the midst of suffering, he asked the Father to forgive them for they know not what they do. I believe that Jesus, hear me church, could not have asked the Father to forgive us. He could not of asked the Father to forgive us unless he had first forgiven us himself. And because he who knew no sin became sin for us, he made full and perfect oblation and sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Jesus paid at a level 10 on our behalf so we could reconcile to our Father in heaven. This is what Jesus did, and Jesus paid it all. For some of us, it is hard to extend forgiveness to others because we have not first forgiven ourselves for the things that we have done wrong in the past. But the Bible is also clear that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. So my brothers and my sisters, be of good cheer. Jesus hung on that cross, became our sin. For he said to the Father, I am asking you to forgive them, Lord, at a level 10 and above. And when God the Father saw that level of apology on your behalf and on mine, that's why we can be reconciled to the Father. Jesus demonstrated to us, all of us, what it means to become the slaves 
to those you have harmed. If you have harmed someone in your life, you cannot make full restitution until you fall with all humility like Joseph's brothers. Fall with all humility and not just say, I'm sorry, but I'm willing to give up my own life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. For what I have done to you was wrong, and I mean it. America, you have done wrong to black America. And whether you want to acknowledge it or not doesn't change the fact that you have done wrong. And we offer you our forgiveness, but we will not reconcile until America, you repent and mean it. The message is for America, but it's also for someone who you know you have also done wrong against your Heavenly Father. You've sinned and you've done things that you know you should not have done. Reconciliation is available to you because Jesus paid for your sin and for mine. And so, my brothers and my sisters, this is the place of God where God sent Jesus to be your propitiation, your Savior, your full and perfect sacrifice, because Jesus is in the place of God. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.